Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech Athletics Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? Hey, uh, this whole time this whole podcast i'm just gonna just do my best dave aranda impression and just be zen just be totally chill totally cool we'll talk about some numbers we'll talk about some other things <laughs> okay and that's it just this whole time don't get too high don't get too don't, low no no enjoy just enjoy the ride We'll talk about some things we need to fix, some things that have yet to be fixed. Talk about how Texas Tech matches up with Baylor this weekend. Yes. Interesting uh, insight that I found looking at the home and away splits for Baylor. What'd you find out? Well, we'll we'll get into that. Oh, I want to know now. Okay, you can tell me later. I'll tell you later. We'll get to our preview. We're going to do our our, our final wrap-up on West Virginia, man. Uh, I've done a rewatch. I'm, I'm sure you've you've looked at some numbers since then. Uh, some numbies. Some numbies. And it it was as good as it was on Saturday. I didn't come away feeling like, oh well, we kind of got away with it, or it really it the numbers. No, no, it it, it was. It really <laughs> it was. was. It was very dominating. It sure felt that way in the moment. I'm glad that the tape revealed the same thing. The uh, the story uh, perpetuates. It lives on. I don't know. Do you want to celebrate one year anniversary, Michael? Tonight, hmm. October twenty fifth, marks three hundred sixty five days since Matt Wells was relieved of duties as Texas Tech head coach. Oh my gosh, that was a year ago! Happy birthday to <laughs> us. We're one. We are one without Matt Wells. Anyways, ten twenty five twenty one. We should all remember that day. Yeah, I. I put a tweet out there. I, I, I copied or I, I tagged a couple of our K-State podcast friends just just for, for fun, for funsies. Since it happened following the, the Kansas State game where they had an epic collapse. Well, I mean, it was it was bad. It was a bad collapse. Uh, not that Kansas State wasn't good. They're, they're a good team. They always have been. Sure. Except under Ron Prince. But it was very much a Matt Wells collapse. <laughs> Anyways, that's that's today. We're gonna talk about that, or no, no, not that. Uh, 
West Virginia game this past weekend. We're going to get you ready for the Baylor game this upcoming weekend to blackout. That'll be fun. And then uh, do our preview, our predictions, get to what we learned. Uh, I'm just I'm just seeing a whole big block of highlighted text I didn't see earlier, so that'll be fun to, to touch on. <laughs> Anyways. Well, I don't know if that's... Uh, <laughs> there, there, we probably there's need to do anything thing. there. There's okay. one thing I want to touch on. Okay. That was more just like, a, hey, do we need to do anything here? I don't want to delete it yet. That's all that was. Yeah. Well, we're uh, good. A little peek behind the curtain, guys. Yeah. <laughs> there is a little bit of prep here. But, guys, if you want to follow us, if you're not already, please do check us out online. Not online. On Twitter, at 23Personnel. You can find links to the show. We do snippets and previews of our show on there so you can catch little breaks of the little pieces of the show there. Fun nuggets. Like when we talked about Baylor, not winning in Lubbock in 32 years, congratulating ourselves for being one year without Matt. Well, all that kind of fun stuff at 23 personnel. You can follow me Spencer at punts suck and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. You can also find us Saturday mornings, 10 to noon on Rob Rose college tailgate show. Talk one three point nine FM here in Lubbock streaming online kkam.com in the talk 1039 mobile app it is us and the gambling gauchos most weekends it's a good time well it's always a good time but fun times are had 10 to noon they are they are also need to know that today's episode of the 23 personal podcast is brought to you by sports drink your digital water cooler sports drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats. So go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink. Spelled like sportsdrink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying to not let the funk out. We like to keep that funk in, everybody. Yeah. You, uh... You done punching your mic over there, Michael? Yeah, sorry. That was, I mean, it was just during the ad read. I thought, well, let me see if I can throw him off. It's like, you suck. No, it was just a, just an underailable train. You just kept moving right along. Man, I'll be, uh, I'll be relieved when that gets updated. One way or the other. Yep. That'll be good. Let's talk some football, phase, Michael. Phase two? Yeah. Let's talk no, football. Phase three. Oh, three. Okay. Got it. Let's get to football. I'm ready. Chuck keeps it himself. Made two guys miss. Touchdown! Two out of the end zone. Picked off him. And it's picked off. Pick six. Jeffers. Slager able to escape. And that picked off. Back to back. Turnovers and waters. One of the other way. Down the sideline. the end zone.
tied at 38. Three seconds to go. 62-yard try. Garibay has his foot into wow. it. It may be long enough. It is good. It is good. It is good. Jonathan Garibay has won the game with a 62-yard field goal. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? Woo! Right. Can you believe that, Michael? Yeah. Anyways. Hey, are, are we about to talk about the the one-year anniversary? Kind of. Of, of Matt Wells? I mean, one, we've already kind of talked about it, but I want to talk about what we've seen different in the program since. Hang on. Hang on. Just to... Oh. Oh. <laughs> Can you even hear that? I don't know. It's gotten in a little bit, but we get the point. Okay, I'll stop. All right. That's that's really high fidelity recording through the microphone from my cell phone across this town to your computer. It's really good. It's good stuff. It's great. Um, You loved it. Yeah, man. (laughs) So I wanted to talk about just just where the program's at, where it's been, the the journey it's been on in the past twelve months. Okay, because I think okay. um, one, I think we were all pretty uh, fed up, and and it wasn't really a surprise uh, that Wells was fired, except for maybe that it happened in the middle of the season. Uh, you hadn't seen a whole lot of that. Now it feels like Texas Tech may have been like the trendsetter there because we've seen so many other coaches since Wells get fired in the middle of the season. And I'm not saying like we're the first one to do it, but it may be like a recency bias or like when you buy a red Trans Am, then you see a thousand of them on the road, right? Like I've never seen a red Trans I don't know, just picked out random vehicle in my head, man. You you know, I'm talking about like you buy a new car and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like it, it may be a little bit of that, right? But it just feels like, Programs and schools were a little more hesitant to fire a coach in the middle of the season. Just like, man, what are we going to do? But Texas Tech did it. They saw it be fairly successful that you can get a guy on before the season's even over and let him be your head coach, but not coach a game, <laughs> you know, and what McGuire was able to do over the fall before he officially took over head coaching duties. Um, and so what, what, what really you've seen is you've seen, just that great turnaround and, and recruiting, right? Um, you've also seen like tangible differences in the program because uh, s- something that I heard Rob Rowe talk about today was he, he was talking about like there, there were times in the past where you were grasping for, for progress. Like this feels different. Like it feels like we're getting better. It feels like, yeah, well, the recruiting rankings aren't the greatest, but like we're getting in good transfers and this feels like it's going to turn around. But with McGuire, not only is it feeling better, and I don't mean to be like hammering that pun, but like it looks better, right? So coming from Matt Wells, you were averaging 50 to 75 in your recruiting rankings. You were relying a lot on, on transfers, and they've been really good transfers. And that was the one thing that Wells was pretty good at was evaluating and hitting on transfers. But that's not something we all thought was very sustainable. 
Um, current, actually, current uh, starting quarterback was a Matt Wells recruit somehow. <laughs> know how he did that's it. That's true. Yes, uh, that's right. But from from um, one of the few high school kids, he actually spent much time recruiting. Well, yeah. So if, if you go back and look at 2021, which is his last full recruiting class, Baron Morton, Jerron Bradley, Cameron Valdez, uh, Mason Tharp, Matt Keeler, which you probably wouldn't have known who that was until he played this weekend. Um, Tyler Shuck, Reggie Pearson, Rashad Williams, Josiah Pierre, Muddy Waters, Malik Dunlap. Those were all guys within that 2021 class. A lot of guys really with a big role in the, in the game today still. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I, it, it's so blended this last class. I, I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you like who recruited who, uh, unless I looked at their, their commitment date, but that's not really what I'm going to get into. But if you look at the 2021 class, which was 55, 75, depending on where you're looking at in their overall rank or the composite ranks to this current class, 2023, your top 25, your 22nd right now. So like you're already seeing it, you're feeling it. Um, and it's not like when McGuire took over, this team looked a whole lot different in terms of the actual roster, right? Like he didn't bring in 20 new guys through transfers. It's not like, you know, when you look at a basketball roster, you're able to completely overhaul that in one season football you can't like you, you can get a, a pretty good you know piece of it changed over but he's winning and you've got the this momentum and feeling uh, about the direction of this program with essentially the same players you were using last year yeah so like, a lot of the same guys it's like it really is like ca- he's capturing and mo- like motivating and directing the talent uh, the program that was already existing. He's injecting, you know, his charisma and his brand into immediate success because it does. I mean, yes. When, when Matt Wells was fired, you were five and two or five and three or something like that. But like you felt, you didn't feel very good at all about your five wins. You're like, man, this is, this is shaky. This is rocky. Uh, this dude's kicking field goals on second down. Um, or sorry, he's attempting field goals on second down. But this year, like, again, you're four and three right now, but it just feels world different. But it also looks so much better, right? You don't feel like you're winning games kind of in spite of yourself. You're winning games sure. because you're doing a really good job on defense for the most part. You have an identity on both sides of the ball. You're sticking to it and you're, you know, you just, you've got everything going in the right direction. You're not fighting against yourself. You're not anyways, your, your thoughts, Michael, the past 12 months in terms of the football program. Well, Texas tech has already matched the number of big 12 wins since he's been fired that, you know, I think he got three wins in his best year as the head coach. Um, and when, once he was fired, Texas tech went on to be Iowa state 
and then they notched two more this season. So there's already been three Big 12 wins since he was fired. I think that kind of helps. Um, you know, there's a lot of the schedule left, but I would agree with you. I this is this is a weird thing, but his press conferences and I, I talked about this before too. He just always seemed defensive. And he well, always seemed yes, yeah, and he always seemed kind of cold. Um, the one of the one of the big things, just as a fan, I've enjoyed is just how McGuire never comes off either of those ways. He seems to be open to que- being questioned and he'll have a good answer for you or he'll come up with something else later. But, uh, you know, just, just some minor things like that have, have been a good indicator of probably things behind the scenes that we may not have really been privy to. Not really. We obviously weren't. So I, I do think that, there's been a lot less um, kind of blundery timeouts, which I actually expected more because McGuire hadn't been a head coach on the sidelines for several years. You know, I I thought there might be some of those more of those. Like I think we did get one uh, where they had to call a timeout after a kickoff or something. That was also Baron Morton's first start. Like that was last week on the road two weeks ago. Three yeah. weeks ago, whenever it was, or however you want to count that, against Oklahoma State, they came out after the opening kickoff and took an immediate timeout. Like, wow, really? Uh, yeah, you're like, oh boy, this is a great sign. But um, really, haven't seen any of that. Uh, saw quite a bit of that with Kingsbury. Uh, saw more than we should have with Wells, especially you know lining up for a punt or something. It seemed like there'd be a delay a game, but not an not an intentional one where they'd have to burn a timeout set up a field goal, just different things. There were some times where they did get off a field goal really well. Um, yeah, that was that. I, I, was I don't that, know. Uh, in the TCU game, like going into halftime. Oh, they were, I think there were a couple, maybe West Virginia. We we're like, wow, that was, that, that actually was perfect. W- went pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm not, I'm not here to pile on the guy or anything, but well, he's got a job, you know? Yeah. He's I working. do think, well, he's still getting paid. I do think that uh, he's – I just like the direction that the program has headed. I like the investment back into the high school kids. I, I love what McGuire does on a daily, weekly, hourly basis by reaching out to probably a, a high school coach like he did this week with Trey Cleveland and you know sent a letter to his high school coach and said, hey, hang this, uh, this picture of Trey up in the – in your office or in the hallway just to show that from Arlington high, it's possible and all that kind of great stuff that, and that's only what we see. So he's doing this stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is just paying dividends and Blanchard's doing that. And all these guys that he brought in is doing that. Aranda said in his press conference today, and I was poking fun at him earlier, but he is a really Zen guy and he should really, um, consider, you know, doing those, you know, those apps that help you relax when you breathe uh-huh. and you talk about visualizing a, a beach or something, he should do that. But he had nothing, of course, nothing but nice things to say about McGuire. He said the same thing McGuire has been saying that he, and he, he qualified it with like three or four different qualifiers saying that he truly, honestly, truthfully wishes that they would win every game and have the most success, but just not this week. 
And he said it. Oh, we will. I know. <laughs> no, we'll have success this week. But I, I do think it's it's just a completely different vibe. I, I feel like um, fans have bought in. I think their adjust, their expectations have adjusted correctly. I don't think there's a lot of people that are mad at where the program is right now. I think, you know, at the beginning of the year, they were there were a lot of eight and four talks and I'm, I'm not saying that's not on the table. That's obviously still very possible mathematically, but there were a lot of people that are like eight and four bust kind of talks, but I think they've, they've calmed down a little bit. One beating Texas helps, uh, you, you know, beating West Virginia the way they did helps. Uh, you hate to take moral victories, but going up to Stillwater with a, basically a freshman quarterback and, giving them a hell of a game that helps. So people are buying in and they were already bought in to begin with, if that makes any sense. But I know that there was just a faction that were probably not really looking at um, how he's trying to build a roster and maybe not seeing the depth issues that we probably saw before the season and thinking that seven and five is really a great expectation you know, eight wins would be incredible, but Hey, come on, <laughs> let's be cool. Yeah. So uh, anyway, all, all that to say, I am, I am really uh, excited with how it's been going, how it's been uh, trending, what, what he's been able to do with the recruiting, the recruiting trail, the coaches. I, I think he trains his staff well, and they share that enthusiasm and that infection, infectious uh, ability to connect with, high school coaches and their players and to keep up with them. So that's just something that I never paid attention to. Like I should have as a fan or even, you know, hosting this podcast with you was the recruiting. And then once it became kind of a glaring issue of the transfer portals, not going to be the way to build sustained success. Um, And then after the way Kingsbury handled things, it was really apparent that recruiting is just such an important thing. And he is uh, really nailing it on that. So yeah. it, it is in, in game decisions have been fine. I haven't had like a, you know, the fourth down stuff is fine. I don't have any issue with that. Be aggressive, have well, a formula, we- <laughs> you know, don't deviate from it. If it's, if you're playing Murray state or you're playing Texas, you know, go for it on fourth down like you would, no matter the opponent or whatever your game plan is, just stick with it. Yeah. Now that I think the fans and we all kind of understand like the mentality and like the, the, the strategy, like really, if, if you're, if you're, well, I, I don't know what, what the numbers actually say, but like whatever it is, they're just, they're so committed to it. Right. They're not like washing like, uh, in this game, in the same scenario, you know, they, they, they punted here, but went for it in this game. No, it's been like, we're going to go for it on fourth down almost always. Um, sorry, McNamara, like (laughs) you're a great punter. Nobody wants to see you out there except for your mom and the other team, according to Kitley, which was pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's not like they're getting it every time and we're living with it. I don't, I don't see a lot of, a lot of fans lamenting that. I, I don't. I don't have the the numbers here, but it's something that I, it's been brought up before. 
I, I think Kyle and, and Rob have talked about it, but it's something that I, I think really helps. And I, I we just I, more people aren't talking about it. But the drives where Texas Tech converts on a fourth down, how many points they're scoring, it's like in the 60s or 70 points. I think it is now because it was 50 something. McGuire yeah. mentioned it on the his radio show last week. Okay. When he was at Rudy's and it was uh 50 something points before the West Virginia game. And That's, they scored that they, they, they only surprisingly on the seven attempts on fourth down, that was over two different drives or, or something like that or, or two quarters. Yeah. It was something like they, they scored 55 points on the drives where they converted and, and only, on the drives that they didn't, they only allowed 20 something. Yeah. And so that, it was, it was a, it was a worthy of enough difference with looking at the score differential there to, to keep going for it. Cause right now they're at 62%. It's not like they're going out there and just nailing it every time. I mean, they have one of the lower percentages in, in the big 12 even, but they have by far the most attempts. Yeah. And I just, think Baylor is second and we're, we, yes. uh, we've uh, gone for it. Uh, it's in here somewhere. 32 times. Tech has gone for it 32 times. They've gotten it 20. And Baylor is 16 of 23. So, so Baylor's got a little bit more success rate. They're almost 70%, whereas Texas or, or Tech is right at 63. So it's it's not – I haven't seen a lot of people get really been out of shape on this. Um, you know, it, one of these days if Tech loses a really close game and there was a late fourth down call that didn't work, then okay, there might be some people come out and – have an issue with it, but I really hope not. And I hope I'm not one of them either because this is just how they're going to play. And I think we should just accept it. And I think most of us have, and I'm, I'm sure it's bound to happen one game where we're going to go for like one of seven on fourth down and, and <laughs> yeah, we're going to get, we're, we're going to have a bad day. <laughs> and we're but like, why are we going for it so much? And we're just like, maybe well, not because, we do. yeah. And I, I think a lot of it's because they know, They've looked at the analytics and they know when statistically it makes more sense to do it. And so we haven't had a one in nine <laughs> fourth down game yeah. attempt or something. I mean, they've, I don't know if we ever will. I, I think if it dips below 50% in a game, we'll, it'll, it'll be kind of surprising. So let's, uh, let's talk about this, this last game. Texas Tech obviously wins 48 to 10. Um, I think we were all, well, I, I, I was confident Texas Tech would cover. And I thought you could take advantage of West Virginia's pass defense being a little soft. And I thought if you were able to slow down the running game, it would be a one to two possession game. You stopped their running game. <laughs> you, that was unreal. Uh, allowed them to run at 2.8 yards per carry, 73 yards on 26 attempts. Um, but you also... Like, it's not like West Virginia said, okay, we'll just stop running it. We'll, we'll hit the air because you kept all their big-time receivers in check, too. Ford Wheaton, five catches, 53 yards. James, who they, they talked about on the broadcast, how, like, he's got 400 career, career yards against Texas Tech. Six catches, 44 yards. Like, their, their two top receivers combined for less than 100 yards on 11 catches. Well, and one way to deny them from catching it is to catch it yourself. Yeah. You forced, what was it? Two interceptions, three, three it was, interceptions, it was three interceptions. And then the, the fumble 
was the fourth turnover. Uh, yeah, I mean, West Virginia came in. I couldn't believe it. They had two running backs averaging over five yards per carry and not just on like, like 20 carries or something. I mean, these guys were the the two top two running backs for them for the year, and they were averaging almost half a first down. They were averaging a first down every two times they, they got handed the ball. Yeah, I mean, and t- t- Tony t- Mathis was 5.2 yards per carry. Uh, Donaldson was 5.2 yards yeah. per carry. And like you said, you, you held him to 2.8. You cut almost exactly in half. Yeah, it was incredible what they were able to do because especially that was right after facing, I mean, this kind of ties in to the preview slightly, but they put 223 yards on the ground against Baylor. Mm-hmm. Mathis was 22 with 167 yards. I mean, they poured it on. He averaged 7.4 yards per carry and only a 37-yard long. That was his longest carry. So it's not yeah. like he had a 99-yard run to pad those numbers. Uh, so it was – I saw that, and I was kind of freaking out, and I thought that, well, I think they're still going to score on us. But And it will – I mean, it's definitely going to hit the over. This could be crazy. This could be one of those games that's going to hit the over. Nope, didn't hit the over because Tech's defense did such a fantastic job of – one, just stopping them from doing anything, and two, taking the ball away, which is something we haven't seen all year. It's been discussed, and I'm sure they've been dying for this to happen, and it finally did. Such a complete game from this team. Mm-hmm. One of the most fun games I've watched in years. I mean, maybe the Mississippi State game, that was kind of fun because it got it was, out of hand. Yeah, it's pretty dominant as well. Yeah, and it was dominant, and you know, who the coach was on the sidelines and the weird random stuff he had to say about tech beforehand, taking credit for something. Anyway, I was, uh, I enjoyed that win. That was probably the last one I enjoyed as much as this one. And then I can't think of one before that. <laughs> I mean, it would have been Kansas maybe a few years ago. Uh, who, but who enjoys those? Uh, no, it, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, the, the, it's especially those now, now it may feel a little different, but those it's kind of like, all right, well, sure. Tech should have won that. Good job. Good job by us. Oh, well, the Iowa State game, I guess. But I didn't really yeah. enjoy that as much because it was such an it was just such a roller coaster ride till the very, very end. It's not well, like it was over in the third quarter. Well, because you, you got up, uh, was it 10 points or 13 points? And then it like you just had to do one of those classic like you got up and then just kind of had to hold on and, and persevere. Yeah. The, the late run because Brock Purdy was like, no, we're not going to lose this game and tied it up there at the very end only to have uh Garibay kick a 62 yard field goal to win it. So can you believe that? Wow. Woo. All right. So offensively, Baron Morton, 28 of 45 on the, on the, on the day, 325 passing yards, two touchdowns. You converted 15 of your 28 third and fourth down attempts combined. So it's, a little bit better than 50%. Um, I think 40% is about benchmark of, of being pretty good. Uh, and you were, like I said, plus 50. You're above 50, whereas you held oh, Oklahoma State. You held West Virginia to five of 16 third and fourth down attempts. So it's less than 33%. Um, I, I am still a little bit worried about some of our tackling. It's it's kind of reared up a little bit. Uh, and it was probably because of just the the stark contrast when you were playing Kansas state, how well 
they were tackling. Uh, they were doing it one on one. They had lots of really good technique and form tackling. And then you just weren't. Uh, some of that kind of cropped up a little bit again this past game where it felt like you were just trying to bump people to the ground. Like you hit them real hard and just see them go down. Um, it didn't work a whole lot, but it also it only felt like that was only like a first half issue. Uh, I didn't really feel like the defense was was scrambling as hard in the second half. And maybe because West Virginia was just out of the game and they, were, they weren't trying as hard. But would really love to see some of that kind of fixed up. Special teams, I haven't had any special teams gripes in a few weeks, which is something. Um, you've made both field goals. Yeah, you, when you do punt, you know, I mean. McNamara hit one to, I don't know, Floyd Data or something. I mean, he, he booted the heck out of one of them. I think he had a 65-yarder out of his, I think he only had two punts. He didn't yeah. show up till like the third quarter. Yeah, and and they, they talked about the punt that set the record last last year when he hit like what was it 87 yards or i guess it was two years ago um the the mental toughness aspect this wasn't a game where you were down and you really had to battle back but it was one of those things where um success didn't didn't breed complacency which is a big thing like you were um you didn't get up and then just kind of relax uh, but also you didn't allow the small mistakes to kind of snowball on you. Like when you were having an issue tackling, it didn't become, you know, a, a, an epidemic, right? It wasn't, everybody couldn't do it. Um, you know, you, you had a few, uh, a few penalties, but it wasn't like they, they just snowballed or you, you lost control or you lost, you know, your, your emotions or whatever. Um, when, when West Virginia was able to start moving the ball, you ended those drives with turnovers, and the, the, the two interceptions goes back to something they were talking about during the broadcast when they were talking about how McGuire wants to win the middle eight, right? The last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half. Both of those interceptions and a fourth down stop came within that eight-minute block. Like, you did that, and then they also were, were talking about the, the scoring differential between Texas Tech and opponents in that block, and they were like 51 to 17 or something stupid. Like, they were... Like, it's it's been like really really good for texas tech um and it was really good this weekend the the mental toughness to just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying the to start a game like that that takes some mental toughness to do that because how many games do you think kingsbury or even wells could have won if texas tech went up 14-0 to start you know i mean to, to to take the ball go eight plays 75 yards in a minute 37 force a three and out to where West Virginia punts to you, and then you go 16 plays, 80 yards, 344. I mean, there's 835 left on the clock in the first quarter. You're already up 14-0. And then West Virginia goes on this seven-minute, 50-second drive. I forgot it was that long, only to kick a field goal. You mm-hmm. hold them to a field goal, and then they go three and out again. I mean, just incredible. You're, you're up 17-3 with, uh, let's see, I mean, 12-25 left in the second quarter. So, I mean the mental toughness to, to come out and do that, we would have, we would have killed for that back in, back in the day, you know, to, to elect, to win the toss, elect to receive and then go three and out. Oh my God. That was just the biggest, just deflating thing that seemed to happen over and over and over. And that did not see that happen this time. And not only did it not happen, but you forced a three and out and then went up by two scores before they could even get four plays thrown together. 
hell yeah, give me some more of that. I, I think that takes a lot of mental toughness to come out and just immediately be ready to go and immediately be fired up. Yeah. I, I was looking at the drives one. I, I noticed you only had one three and out on the day. Uh, it was in the third quarter. Um, but then I also noticed um, you had a 12 play 91 yard drive that ended the touchdown that only took three minutes. <laughs> but then you had Ow. a 14 play 84 yard drive that ended the touchdown that took almost eight minutes, <laughs> which I think is wild that Texas tech is, is, is getting this, this, um, this reputation of running so many plays and being so fast. But then you look at it like sometimes we're not fast and we're actually really, really slow and deliberate. And, like Kitley's able to just string together one of these just massive drives. You're like, like a 16 play drive. That's unheard of at Texas tech. Absolutely. It is. There was a 12 play drive that went 25 yards. (laughs) Now, granted you, 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 that was the the drive you turned it over on downs, but the, the drive before that 12 plays 47 yards. Like it's not always like you're, you're going 12 plays 90 yards. I mean, well, and when you, I think going for fourth down helps that some. It helps pad those stats a little bit, not pad them. I mean, it just well, yeah. extends the drive. It extends the drive, so you keep going. And yeah, you're okay. It, it's it, it, this is the stuff I've killed this offense on before. If there's one thing I can kill it on, it's just not getting anything on first down. Um, that's still happening. It's not as bad or as blatant as it felt at first. There's a lot of second tens, a lot of second nines. I do have to say since the quarterback changed, there's a lot less second and thirteens yeah. than there were before. Um, that's, that's been good, but, but yeah, you, you get up to that point where it's third and nine and then all of a sudden it's fourth and two and you're going for it and you get like two yards past the sticks and you just thinks that, you know, it's been 16 plays. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I've, I've really enjoyed this, this football, that the fact that they're running so many plays and keeping the ball so much, but they had only one more drive than West Virginia. But in that game, they like, just ran that many more plays. Yeah, it was like, like 35 or 40 more plays than West Virginia did. Oh yeah. The great use of the clock too. Yeah. I, I, it's, okay. it's been really fun to watch. All right. Now that we're halfway through the episode, we need to get onto the preview. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. one, let's wrap up. Um, well, I, I guess let's, let's talk about the, the, the week ahead week nine in the big 12, See if any of these matchups intrigue you, Michael. Oklahoma at Iowa State. Yes. I mean, that absolutely is interesting to me. Okay. Anything at Iowa State is interesting. We see if their defense is for real. Yeah, just really get a good look at that bridge. Um, <laughs> if their defense can do enough to, to give their offense a chance. Like, yeah. are they going to be good enough against Oklahoma, who hasn't been great, to be in this game? Like, um, how many people can walk across the bridge at, at once? <laughs> Or do they, can they, do they set up stuff up there? Do they have like a a tent? Can you buy a taco if you're crossing the bridge? Like a a walkthrough booth? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, it's a pretty long walk. Maybe you need a Gatorade, get you, get you over there. But I am legit interested in that. Uh, Iowa State's defense meeting an offense that struggled against Texas at a neutral site. Um, It could get ugly. Yeah. I, and I hope it does. I mean, I think this, whatever the under is, you should take it. I don't know what it is. Uh, it just seems like one of those, it's going to be like 19 to 13 or something. 
Ugh. We'll see TCU at West Virginia. Does West Virginia bounce back and make this game interesting? I because that TCU defense is not really that good. No, you're but, right. But their offense is is that good. Yeah, I think it is. Um, this could be an interesting one because TCU has not really had a big road challenge yet this year, have they? No. Uh, who have they played on the road aside from Colorado? I uh, don't know. I'm going to look it up. But yeah, I think they're, this could be an interesting game, but I'm not that interested in it if it makes any sense. I'm just kind of like, oh, whatever. It's fine. So yeah, TCU this year so far, they went to Lawrence. Okay. Obviously hosted K-State and Oklahoma State. Hosted Oklahoma too. Um, they took the short trip across to Dallas to go to SMU and they went to Boulder. So they've been to Boulder, SMU and Lawrence. That's it. So they're going to Morgantown now against a, a team that, I mean, I mean, West Virginia could be down. Yeah. Yeah. That crowd may not be there at, of course it's at least noon their time. Big Nooner on ESPN for them. Not not the Big Nooner. Well, I guess not for ESPN. What do you call that? Uh, Oklahoma State at Kansas State. Another one of those games of teams that are vying for Big 12 title. Yeah, interested in that one. I like that it's on Fox. Good job. Good job, TV people. I think there'll be a lot of people watching that. I hope so anyway. And then Baylor. I'll be one of them. I'll watch it as long as I can. Yeah, well, it, sh- it should be over by the time. It should our be. Game yeah, you're right. On. It's got got a solid four hours. I feel like they've gotten better at that this year. The, timing these kickoffs. The tech game this past weekend went three and a half hours. Yeah, which is fairly short for a Texas. We tech ran game. we ran 900 plays and still got in under four hours. And then Baylor at Texas Tech, six thirty Saturday night on ESPN two. Um, quick update on the injuries. The guys that are out for the season, no one out of that list. Thankfully, questionable return for Baylor is Monroe Mills. Although his replacement this past weekend, Matt Keeler, seemed to do pretty well. Uh, McGuire said that they did have to call some some additional help on the running backs heading that way. Um, but there was a play where he he lined up against uh, um, blank on his name, 55. Stills? Stills. 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 Whatever. He got through, but Baron Morton juked him out of his mind. <laughs> he like did the splits and fell over. I was like, wow, that's embarrassing. Um, which really helps because, you know, Donovan may not have been able to do, may not have been able to avoid that, that same kind of rush uh, and pressure. But he, he may be back this week. Uh, but the guys that have been confirmed back, quarterback Tyler Shuck, don't think he's going to come back and start, but he's been cleared to play. He suited up last week, so he was technically available, but probably like it's an emergency. Like we'll put him in there to hand the ball off if we need to get down to a third string quarterback. Or if you need a fullback, that's probably what they'll use. Or him if for. you need a tight end because Kitley's been calling tight ends, uh, putting quarterbacks in his tight ends. Miles Price has been practicing this week, trying to get back for the Baylor game. J.J. Sparkman should be back, running back Cameron Valdez, and defensive back Tyler Owens. So, That's a lot of guys coming back. Yeah. I'm Okay, who are you most excited about aside from Price? For me, it's Sparkman. I, I don't know if I would say Price because I'm, I'm actually oh, okay. pretty excited with where Xavier White's been. Oh, man. 
yeah, he's been really solid. I can't believe he was playing running back before. Um, maybe Tyler Owens. Yeah. I, I don't know. Cause he, he hasn't really been that big of an impact because he just hasn't pl- played a whole bunch or we just haven't seen a whole bunch from him. He probably has been playing a bunch of snaps. We just don't realize it. I just want to see Morton try to get the ball to Sparkman some more and just see, see if that generates a little bit more, a little bit more productivity. We'll see. We, we all love the, the size out there on the receivers and they just really haven't been able to, to utilize that as much. But yeah, Sparkman, Cleveland, Fungi, man, Bradley, Bradley. Thank you. I know it's like there's four. I know there's four. Um, so this weekend, six thirty, blackout. Uh, excited about the blackout, Michael, or is it just not a? Is it? A, it's it's kind of it's, it's move it's your needle. Finally, it's finally come back. I, I think it's back in vogue because I, I felt like tech just forced it for about a decade, and then um, to Wells's credit. One of my favorite things he did was, hey, if it's a night game, we wear black. And he, that was it. Yeah. He just, that was just how it worked. As opposed to, oh, there's a big rivalry coming in. It's going to be a blackout. It's like, okay, no, it's against Kansas. <laughs> we're, for some reason, we're at night against Kansas or whatever. We're going to wear black. That's just how it works. I like that because that kind of took the mystique off of it. Because I, I remember doing a thing on um, staking the planes years ago. I mean, Tech was like a brutal one and eight in blackout games or something. One and nine. It was just awful. Because they were all just, forced. Yeah. Yeah. They were just forcing it. But now this doesn't seem as forced. It's Halloween. It's it is a night game. Um, it's against Baylor. It's not against like Texas or OU or, or, or a, a rival who doesn't want to admit that they're a rival or something. So um, I'm I'm for it. I think. To Wells's credit, he kind of helped cleanse that and and let uh, let us kind of take it back um, organically. So Texas Tech favored in this game. Currently, it looks like Michael caught it that it opened at uh, plus one for Texas Tech, but it has shifted to minus two and a half. So it's a three and a half point swing over under sixty three and a half. Baylor's four and three on the season, two and two in Big Twelve play. Uh, not so great against the spread four and three so far and one and two on the road. Um, their wins this year have been over Albany, Texas state, Iowa state and Kansas. They lost a two overtime game to BYU, Oklahoma state and West Virginia all time series record, just barely in favor of Baylor 40 to 39, 40, 39 and one. But Baylor has won the last three of four. Um, the one lone win there for Texas Tech was in 2020 when Colin Schooler absolutely obliterated Charlie Brewer on the goal line. Oh, yes. That was fun. That was. He, that was that was the, one of the highlights of the season. Yeah. Um, they are led offensively by quarterback Blake Shapen, six foot, 200 pound sophomore. So far in the season, he's 128 of 188, 68% completion percentage, just over 1,600 passing yards, 12 touchdowns to five interceptions. That ratio is off a little bit, so you want to take advantage of that if you can. But he is hitting guys at an 8.6 yard per attempt clip. Yikes. And that's crazy because Baylor just doesn't pass the ball that much. That averaged out, I think I did the math earlier, like 26 attempts per game. 
you know, we're seeing guys throw 50 times a game. Uh, Kitley down here, you've got some more stats later, but it's not going to spoil it too much. But uh, Kitley has thrown 50 pass attempts per game. Yep. So that's 350 pass attempts on the year. And Shapin's attempted 188. It's just crazy. But he's very effective. And he's, um, you know, 68% completion. That's a big, a big number and actually getting it down the field, uh, 8.6 yards per attempt. Like you mentioned, I didn't, I had no idea about that coming in. Uh, it, it's just kind of, they're not using the, they're a rush heavy offense as we'll talk about more mm-hmm. in a second. But, uh, when they do pass the ball, it's usually because people have kind of forgot they can do that and then they'll take advantage of it. He did have two interceptions this past weekend, but honestly, it, I don't know if it was more on his receivers or him. Uh, I think he got it right to his receivers and the credit to the Kansas defenders. They just basically wrestled both of those away from him, but he did have a strip fumble. That was almost a thick six. Oh my so gosh. Is, that guy almost made it too. Oh man. It was so <laughs> close. He was, he was motoring too. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's, kind of turnover prone considering um, how few, how he has five interceptions on 188 passes, but I don't, I don't know if that's something tech can rely on this week, especially after how fortunate they were last week. Yeah. So their, their offense um, is ground run heavy. They're led by freshman Richard Reese. Where's number 29. It's a little guy, five, nine, one seventy five. So far this year, he's carried the ball 116 times for 643 yards. It's five and a half yards per carry, nine touchdowns. Has eight receptions for 68 yards. Last week versus Kansas, he ran 31 times for 186 touch. Or sorry, 186 yards and two touchdowns. However, in the rest of the season, he hadn't gone over 85 yards except in the game against Texas State. So the 186 was, was the anomaly here. Uh, much like how, uh, what's his face, Mathis went 180-something against Baylor from West Virginia. Richard Reese had a big game. Uh, another running back option, number 28, Quaylen Jones. Big dude, 5'10", 240. Yeah. 48 carries, 277 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, and four touchdowns. Um, they... When when Shapin does put the ball in the air, he's looking at uh, I've got four different guys here. Senior number six, Gavin Holmes, 5'11", 200 on the year. Only 18 catches, but 397 yards, 22 yards per catch. Um, versus West Virginia, he only had seven catches, 210 yards, and one touchdown. The rest of the season, though, he only has 10 catches. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't add up. So 11 catches, 168 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, so he, he had a big game. The rest of them had been, you know, four or five receptions at a time. Sophomore Monterey Baldwin, number 80, 5'9", 164, 16 catches on the year, 332 yards, almost 21 yards per catch, four touchdowns. Sophomore is number 16, Hal Presley. Uh, is an outside guy, 6'3", 199, 18 catches, 230 yards, 12.8 yards per catch, two touchdowns, and then security blanket, senior number eight, tight end, Ben Sims. I gave you all those things backwards. 
tight end, senior tight end number eight, Ben Sims, 6'5", 260, 25 catches. He leads the team in catches, but not in yards. 25 catches, 193 yards, at 7.7 yards per catch, and two touchdowns. When they do drop back to pass, Michael, it it sounds like it's a good good thing that they've only given up 14 sacks on the year. But I did the math because they I was like they don't throw the ball that much, do they? On at least 212 pass attempts. I didn't want to go through and try to figure out uh, how many of the rushes were going to end up being a pass attempts besides the sacks. Um, so 14 sacks on 212 dropbacks. That's one sack every 15.14 pass attempts for comparison, because I think we all were kind of frustrated with our offensive line, giving a bunch of sacks. Texas tech has given up 24 sacks on this season, but that's on 354 pass attempts. Yeah. Which is one sack every 14.75 attempts. So as pass fr- protections, not the best. No, it's not. They are obviously better run blockers since they're opening up the lanes at 4.7 yards per carry over the team, but they get sacked. Blake Shapin gets sacked as often as Texas Tech has been sacked on this season, and we know that it's been getting better with Morton back there. So imagine being able to sack him at a rate that teams were sacking Donovan Smith. Yeah, that's going to probably win you some football games. One, one thing as you were going through these numbers, you know, their leading receiver being the tight end with 25 receptions. Uh, this this kind of has a, like a Kansas State feel, this offense does to me. I, I remember that was kind of the same thing. Uh, Kansas State game, it was, of course, not with Shapen. Shapen's not as mobile, obviously, as Martinez. But, I mean, Reese reminds me a lot of Deuce Vaughn. I don't want to compare too many people to Deuce Vaughn because – I don't know. It's just topical because we've played him and they're about the same size and he's really fast. So, but that doesn't mean he's Deuce Vaughn. Uh, but as a freshman, very talented running back. And then, you know, the, they didn't throw the ball that much. Kansas state didn't, but their receivers, I think had, you know, like Gavin Holmes with this 22 yards per catch yeah. average thing that he's got. I think they had some receivers with yards per catch that were that high. So it kind of reminds me of that, uh, except without as, you know, probably a, a offensive line that may not be quite as sturdy. And then, of course, a running back that's, I mean, a quarterback that's definitely not going to be able to use his legs right. as well as Martinez. Yeah, so the the thing with with, with Reese, um, like he's, he's good and effective on the ground. He's not Deuce Vaughn. And then you, you also pointed out Blake Shapin is good through the air. He's better than Adrian Martinez, but... Uh, Martinez is definitely going to be able to, to to break something with his feet where Shapen isn't. Um, be, with um, McGuire coming from from Baylor, you are going to see some similarities in terms of the aggressiveness uh, on fourth down. Uh, Michael found out that you know we talked about Baylor has gone for twenty three times on fourth down so far this year. The Texas Tech's thirty two, uh, and they like I said you're, you you point out their success rate, and then defensively, something we haven't really done in our, our previews. But I found it interesting. They are led in tackles by a defensive back, which we have seen that before at Texas Tech, and that is a red not flag. A good sign. Yeah. <laughs> Al Walcott. Walcott. Yeah. Uh, two of their top three leading tacklers are um, defensive backs or safeties. Whereas uh, yeah, I remember Texas- seeing like Jordan Brooks and then, you know, uh, 
I can't even think of another guy. Jay Sean Johnson. Yeah. Something. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Ooh, that's like not that's good. It. Yeah. Whereas, um, Texas Tech's the first defensive back for Texas Tech, I think is third on the list. Uh, and then not, not again to like eighth. Whereas two oh, of awesome. the, two of the top three for Baylor were defensive backs. Uh, then I think two and four for Baylor were linebackers. So up the middle, their defensive line is not something I'm, I'm supremely concerned about with, with Baylor. Um, they've got really, they've got decent running back, sorry, decent linebackers. Uh, their secondary is, has been pretty good, at least in, in tackling. But when you're, when your team is led by a defensive back or safety and tackles means people are getting the ball deep into your defense which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, when Texas Tech has the ball, they've been averaging 364 passing yards per game at 7.2 yards per attempt, 136.3 yards on the ground at 3.5 yards per carry. And then I went ahead and, and, and combined this stat, and we'll do this going forward. On a combined third and fourth down conversion percentage, Texas Tech is converting on 42% of their tries and scoring 36.3 points per game. Whereas defensively for Baylor, they're giving up 233 pass yards per game on 6.9 yards per attempt. So they're just not facing as many passing attempts, uh, but they are, they're giving up about as many yards per attempt as Texas Tech is putting up offensively. They don't give up a lot of on the ground, 108 yards on 3.3 yards per carry. But that's also not very far off from Texas, from Texas Tech's 3.5. Uh, they allow teams to convert just under 40% of their third and fourth down attempts, but do a pretty good job at stopping the teams from scoring. They only give up 24 points per game. When they have the ball, Baylor throws 261 passing yards per game at 8.6 yards per attempt, which we talked about the little eye-popping. Texas Tech gives up 220 yards on seven yards per attempt. Baylor has run the ball. This is a season average, 197 yards per game at 4.7 yards per carry. Texas Tech has allowed 136 yards per game at 3.9 yards per carry. Uh, so a, a, not even a full yard off on yard per carry, um, but obviously they're putting up that many yards on that on that yardage based on just the sheer number of attempts. They're running the ball a ton. Uh, with that, uh, they are very, very, very good at converting third and fourth downs. They are uh, 50% on this season, whereas Texas Tech is allowing teams to convert 33.9%. Baylor scores 37.4 points per game. Texas Tech gives up 27. So obviously, Baylor is a run, run, run heavy team. And then they're going to hit you with not only play action, but some misdirection passes uh, and can do so. Uh, at 8.6 yards per attempt. But, Michael, but. We, we teased this earlier. Home and away, Baylor's two very different teams. At home, they are 3-1 and one this season. Offensively, they complete about 70% of their, their passes for 260 yards. They run the ball 41 times for 237 yards per game, 5.4 yard, 5. yards per carry. That's the only time I'm going to give a Baylor home because on the road... They are one and two, and, they're, and they've played BYU, Iowa State, and West Virginia, so just take that into consideration. One and two. They complete fewer passes. Like they attempt the same number of passes, but complete fewer of them, 64%. They throw for more yards at, on the road than they do at home. They run the ball a few more times, but with very different success on the ground. 
100, sorry, 43 carries, 148 yards, 3.4 yards per carry on the road. Oh, that's a huge change. Two yards per, again, remember, they played Iowa State and BYU. I don't know the BYU defense so well. I know Iowa State's pretty good defensively and West Virginia, but we also saw what you did to West Virginia on the ground. Yes. And this is their bread and butter. Yeah, Iowa State's the best defense in the in the conference right now. Texas Tech uh, defensively at home gives man. up. So, sorry, what were you we gonna say? I'm just, Nothing. I'm no, go right for it. I'm just I'm just processing all this. I'm in, I'm enjoying it. I, it. I still haven't picked my score yet, and I'm over here. You're making well, a stronger case for how I want to pick my score here in a little bit. Well, I want to want to paint the picture that Baylor is not the same team on the road, which I'm sure is, is the same for everybody, but it's actually pretty stark, uh, especially on offense. Texas Tech defense at home only allows teams to complete 55% of their passes, which I thought was pretty interesting because of how low it was. Uh, For only 240 yards on 32 carries per game, Texas Tech is averaging giving up 90 rushing yards per game at home. That's insane. 2.9 yards per carry. Uh, Defensively, away on the road for Baylor, uh, they allow teams to complete about 63% of their passes for 283 yards. On 32 carries, they give up 122 yards on the ground to 3.8 yards per carry, um, which is uh, about a half yard worse. So it's it's about a yard difference home and away uh, on their defense, allowing yards per carry on the road versus at home. Texas Tech completes 66% of their, their passes at home for 377 yards on 43 carries they are picking up 160 yards on the ground at 3.7 yards per carry. So it's almost identical in yards per carry, but giving up obviously more yards on the more attempts. So Baylor on the road in a, a season that they, they have an identity that they're, they're committed to, but they obviously lost a lot of, a lot of talent and juice from their team last year that played for the, and won the big 12 title. Michael, they come to Lubbock this this weekend, night game in the Jones, 6.30, blackout. Texas Tech currently favored by 2.5, over under 63.5. What do you see? I think this is going to be different from what I originally had. You know, preseason myself had Baylor a little bit higher this year. and Well, they came in top 10 to start the season. Yeah, to be fair, they were top 10. And I do think that they're still a solid football team. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they gave up 40 points to West Virginia, a team that could not do anything against Texas Tech. They, wait, uh, to be fair, though, it took like four turnovers for West, that's West Virginia true. to do it. But West they Virginia also forced those four turnovers. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say. West Virginia did, you know, Baylor did commit those four turnovers. Uh, They went up to Stillwater, scored 25. Texas Tech went up to Stillwater with a quarterback in his first start and cracked 30. I think I think Tech got 31 in Stillwater. Uh, It lost. It was almost it was pretty close to the same type of game. Just one touchdown less on each team lost 25 to 36. Uh, Kansas was in that game if. Uh, Baylor hadn't scored late. Well, hold you on. Know, they went they went up twenty eight to three at halftime. Oh, so and Kansas then, came back in that game. So yeah, yeah. So Baylor was was up twenty eight to three at halftime. Uh, Kansas scored unanswered, 
you know, a 20, 20 points. And let's see, Baylor was only up 28 to 23 when they got that go ahead touchdown in with four minutes left. So Mm -hmm. they didn't score at all the second quarter. Um, They were driving at the end of the second. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. They didn't score at all the third quarter. They were driving at the end of the second quarter and uh, shaping through an interception there. That was kind of one of those. His receiver just got manhandled, but um, it doesn't matter. I mean, they didn't score at all the third and they didn't score in the fourth until the very end. So this is an offense that I think is, is streaky at best. And that was, let's remember that was at home Yes, versus a Kansas defense, which is not the strong, like Kansas is better offense offensively. Sure. But and and they at proved home, that. they went a quarter and a half and almost allowed Kansas to come back into that game or did yeah, allow West them Fr- to come back in. West Virginia came into the, this kind of worried me last week, but I still kind of doubled down on tech winning by a couple scores, but West Virginia came into Lubbock averaging 39 points a game. Baylor's coming in averaging 37. I think at this point, Texas Tech has proven that they can play defense, especially at home. And the the numbers that you just threw out there made me feel even better. So this is a long-winded way of me saying I'm going against what I thought would happen at the beginning of the year. I had this as a loss, but I'm taking Baylor as the loss this time. I think their streak of 32 years without a win in Lubbock continues. I think Tech will... um, I don't know if they'll have as many turnovers as they did last week because I had, I still had tech scoring, I think 42 last week, but I was not expecting that many turnovers. And then for them to, you know, get it, get almost a 50 burger in a conference game against someone not named Kansas, which was just incredible. Um, so I've got, Oh man, you and I are very close. <laughs> I want, I want to type it in, but before you got yours in. <laughs> oh, okay. I've got tech winning 35, 27, and that just barely gets uh, the under. I don't think that based off what we've seen, I don't know if this defense is going to allow that many points. And I'm, I just feel kind of strongly about it. I think this, this team that really relies on, on rushing the ball, Tech's defense will hopefully slow them down. Um, Aside from, you know, three or four awful plays against Kansas State, they did slow down Deuce Vaughn. They did not slow down Martinez. I mean, but, yeah, when you allow a 75-yard run or something, that's that's not going to help things. But um, I, I feel pretty good about being at home. So I, I saw your score. We're very close. I've got Tech winning 35-27. So I, I was looking at averages. Um and then just kind of trying to project without doing all the, the mental math, you know, uh, points scored, points given up, and then trying to adjust that for, for home and away. I've got Texas Tech winning this game and covering 34-28, which is a cover but also the under. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of talking myself into like that feels like a lot of points for this game, though. It could be even lower scoring, but I, I still think that – about touchdown spread. 21 in my head too. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think Baylor's going to get in field goal range and it, yeah. Anyway, that, that's kind of where I landed. We typed ours at the same time. So, you know, what? I'm, yeah. I'm going to back out a little bit. I'm going to say 31, 24. How about that? 31, 24. Okay. Definite. You're, you're hammering the under now. 
yeah, it's a little, little, little stronger on the under. I just because of both teams. Well, Baylor can really take a lot of clock out, uh, and I. But I also think like the way that Texas Tech defense has been playing, like again, their rush defense being kind of the the heart and soul of it. Like they, they can probably move the ball a little bit and take some time off. It, what just may end up being a lower scoring game. Um, I think offensively when Texas Tech has the ball, like it lines up with what Baylor allows. Um, they're not really going to slow down Texas Tech. They, you know, they give up seven yards per attempt. They just don't face as many passing attempts as, as Texas Tech puts out there. So they may wear down the, the, the pass defense. Um, they, they allow teams to run three and a, three point three yards per carry. Texas Tech runs 3.5 yards per carry. Um, they allow teams to convert about 40% of their, their third and fourth downs. Texas Tech converts 42%. Like when Texas Tech has the ball, like you're going to get what you get. It feels like, um, the only, the biggest difference there is that they, they allow 24 points where Texas Tech is going 36 offensively. It's going to come back or sorry, defensively. Um, it's really going to come down, down to does the Baylor team, does the Baylor offense continue to play like they have on the road so far this season. And do they, they run the ball for 3.4 yards per carry. Um, and they throw for about 250 yards. Cause if they do that, you're going to win this game. And I think pretty handily, uh, I just don't think, um, Shapin's going to be able to, to beat you deep enough to keep them in this game. That's just not their identity to be in a shootout. Um, I think Grimes is very, very committed to, to his offense and, and, and his philosophy and it's been really successful. And why would they go away from it now? Um, I just don't think, you know, that rushing attack, um, well, what we've seen them do on the road, I'm not scared of 45 carries for 150 yards. I don't think that's going to win you a lot of games. I mean, obviously, they're, they're one and two on the road. So if they do that, I think you're going to win this game. But it's going to take your your defense doing that, not allowing them to, to open up huge lanes uh, and then being, you know, disciplined with your eyes on, on the back end, not allowing them to, to break huge pass, pass plays over the top uh, with their misdirection. So we're both one, taking Texas Tech to win and to cover uh, yeah. and both unders. And one thing that worried me slightly and still does is Baylor's defense on the run. I mean, they were only allowing 108 rushing yards a game. But like I said before, they allowed 200 and something to the West Virginia team that could not move the ball in Lubbock. So I, I think there's some there's some room there for Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson to, to work. I think there's some room there for uh, this offense to get some of those rushing yards against this defense. Um, Cause they're, they're facing, if they're giving up 108 yards at 3.3 yards, they're facing 32 rush attempts. Uh, Texas tech, under Kitley, uh, to, to his credit, and this isn't something I, I kind of hammered on before the season that like he was been supremely consistent in his career about rushing the ball 29 times a game. Uh, his his rushing attempts per game this season has bumped up to 39 attempts per game, but that also kind of correlates with he's running more plays per game than he has in his career because Texas Tech is attempting as many passes as he did anywhere else. 50 and a half to 51 essentially. Um, but Texas Tech is running the ball 39 times to his career so far, Kitley's career of 29 times. 
It's so. just still amazing to me. I can't remember if we said this before we started recording or not, but just the fact that the man has figured out a way to squeeze 10 more plays per game. Yeah. This entire season averaged out over this entire season over what he's done for as an offensive coordinator for what, six years, six seasons, whatever it is. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Let's just have 10 more running plays. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Per game. <laughs> so in more plays. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wanted to look around the rest of the, the, the schedule. Uh, one, give an update on the FPI, but also kind of look at over under uh, the, the projections that we, we, we had kind of locked in for the season or that, that had been projected for some of these teams, where they're currently at and if they have a chance to hit over or under. Uh, last week, or following last week, the FPI was a, leave, a, a little even more in favor of Texas Tech winning this game. It's 50.8. So it's the closest of the games uh, you've had so far this season outside of West Virginia last week, and that was 58.3. But essentially, uh, not not, not so much with with TCU, but with Kansas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma, you you got about a 10-point bump on FPI for each of those games. Uh, TCU is at 28.3, which is still better than it was last week before the West Virginia game. Kansas is up to almost 72, so it's a 72-28 split there. Uh, Iowa State opened the season 28. Uh, it's a 28, or sorry, Texas Tech had a 28-82, no, 28-72. Now it's 39-61, so a pretty good swing there. And then Oklahoma, you now are up to almost 61 on the, on the FBI, so 61-39 split there. Whereas it opened up, Texas Tech was a 28-72. Almost completely flip-flopped. Almost completely. Uh, in terms of over-under, Texas Tech was picked before the season uh, five and a half wins. You're sitting at four and three. You are well on your way to hitting that over, I think, pretty comfortably. You, you'll, you'll hit that over, whether it's seven to five or eight and four this season. Um, Texas, eight and a half wins projected over under before the, the season. They're at five and three. Michael, do you see them hitting the over under? Ooh. Okay. Hang on. Before we go through there, probably, gonna, need, probably need to bring up the schedule for this. Yeah. But. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got my Google sheet where I did all these picks before okay. the year started. That way I could keep myself honest. So Texas has, who do they have? Uh, they, have. I think they have a pretty favorable end of their schedule, too. Yeah. They have well, uh, Baylor, TCU. They've got Kansas State, too, though. They go to they go to Manhattan. Yeah, it's a loss. Then they host TCU. Then they go to Lawrence, and they host Baylor. So, so maybe seven and five? Because yeah. to, to, to hit the over, they'll need to win four of their last... TCU's had their number, but I think that was more of a Patterson thing than anybody else. Even if, even an eight and or nine and TCU at that at that point, um, I don't know if I would. Yeah, I'm gonna take Texas to not hit. They're gonna hit the under because I was just doing that math in my head. They'll need to win out to to barely hit the over to go nine and three. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm gonna say no. They're not gonna do it. Kansas State, they were picked uh, seven, uh, even seven. They're at five and two so far on the season. They've got five games left. Yes, they have this weekend. They have Oklahoma State. They're hosting them, though. Mm-hmm. 
And like we said, they're hosting UT. Then they go to Baylor. They go to West Virginia. Oh, yeah, they're going to hit it. They're definitely going to hit this. I, I, I had them an eight and four on the season anyway, just before we came in. But I mean, this team, they really should have won in Fort Worth if or not should have, but they could have if they weren't playing their third string quarterback. All of a sudden, TCU has had some. I'm weird. not saying they're doing anything. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not, it, they're not doing anything. It's just some weird luck and or unfortunate turns for the opponents. But, you know, the, the fact that they get to host um, Oklahoma State and UT um, and Kansas, I mean, I, I think they could split. I think they could go two and one on those for sure. Um, I'm not sure which two. I don't know if they'll be able to beat Oklahoma State and UT back to back. I think they split that. And then, of course, I think they beat Kansas. So there's two already. Um, and then they've got to get one of the you know, Baylor or West Virginia games on the road, which I think they can. So they'll need to finish three and two or better to hit the over. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying they hit it. Okay. Oklahoma State, eight and a half wins. They're sitting at six and one so far in the season. They've so got they five games more. left to win three. They need to go three and two. What's the rest of their schedule look like? They've got Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to They go to Manhattan. Then they go to Lawrence. That's a win there. So that's then they seven. host. They host Ames. They host Ames. They host Iowa State. Uh, eight. Okay. Uh, Bedlam. Nine. Yeah, they're gonna hit the over. <laughs> Bedlam's in Norman. That's the only real thing this year. Oh, I, I guess. Hold on. And then they go to West Virginia. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, West Virginia. I think they hit it. West Virginia five and a half. They're at three and four now. I'm locking the under right now. <laughs> I think so too. Um, so they, they've they played seven have, games. They've got five games left. They need to win three of them to hit the over. They need to go three and two the rest of the way. Yeah. So they've got to play TCU. That's a loss. They at least host them, but they've got to play TCU and then they've got to go to Ames. That's a loss. Uh, but then they host OU. Could be interesting. But yeah. They, but they need to win three of these games. I think they could. Mm, they may go you know, five that, and that seven game in Ames. That game in Ames is going to be pretty interesting. I think okay. they could win in Ames and they could beat OU, but then, then they've still got Kansas state and Oklahoma state. And I think those are two L's. Yeah. So that's, so they're, they're going what? One and four, <laughs> uh, two, two and two and two and three. I've got them winning two games. I mean, I think they can win two. I'll, I'll say the over on that one. Well, no, they, that's still the under. They'd have to win three of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nope. I'm going to stay the under. All right, Baylor, seven and a half wins. They're at four and three now. Well, they're going to get their tail kicked this weekend. I'll tell you that much. Uh, they're not going to win this weekend. Uh, but they've got, after Tech, they go to Norman. They uh, host Kansas State. They host TCU. And then they go to Texas. They go to Austin. Uh, so they would need to win four of their last five. Hit the over. Yeah. Give me the well, under we can them. we can take one of them out. They would need to win four of their last four. Yeah, because <laughs> well, we don't have a beaten tech. <laughs> right. TCU is easy one. They've already hit their over. They were they were picked at six and a half before the season. They're at seven and zero. Oh, so that's a quick easy one. Kansas is already on the over. They had two and a half. They're at five and three. Iowa State six and a half. 
they got a lot of work to get there. They're at three and four. So they also have five games left, but they need to win four to hit the over. Yeah, they play OU. Oh, that's a Thursday game too. That's interesting. So they'll they'll play OU on Thursday, the 29th. They're off this week. Uh, That is in Ames. And then they go to Morgantown. No, they host West Virginia. Then they go to Stillwater. Then they host Lubbock. Host Lubbock. I keep saying that the stinking towns. Yeah, they host Texas Tech. They're not winning four of those games. No, I don't think so either. I mean, then then they end the game uh, end the year at TCU. Yeah, no, no. They they, they may also go four and eight like uh, West Virginia will. Oklahoma. Uh, they mathematically cannot hit the over. They can push if they win out. Yes, they have uh, their line was set at nine and they would have to win out, which means like we said before, they'd have to win in Ames, which is doable. Yeah. They'd have to beat Baylor at home. They'd have to go to Morgantown and win. They could do that. They'd have to beat Oklahoma state at home. Probably not. But it's at home though. Mm, no, I think this year it's not going to matter. And then uh, they'd have to come to Lubbock and win too. And give me seven and five for Oklahoma. Yeah, I think I'm taking the under. All right. If I could still get that line, which I'm sure you can't now. No, probably not. Yeah. Um, it's probably set at seven. <laughs> yeah. Did want to come back on the other topics. We talked about... Um, especially basketball. We're not doing our b- basketball preview. Obviously we, we didn't leave enough time this week and I don't know. Like it, we <laughs> next week we will have to, because we will be less than a week out. So we'll have to be yeah, doing we'll our have best to do something. We'll shoehorn some basketball in there somewhere. We'll be doing basketball preview. Uh, I mean, at the very least, because we'll have a game on Monday, the seventh, uh, AMAC look like from all reports, he's in a boot and on a, on a cart. He's not, he's not even putting weight on it. So we're on, on crutches. Uh, so go ahead and let that factor in. Uh, did hear some some pretty good reports about the shoot arounds, and I, would, I get it's a shoot around, right? It's a glorified scrimmage. They're just shooting against air, um, but we've got some shooters on the team. I'll take it, man. I don't care. I don't care if they're shooting against chairs. <laughs> one of them was shooting against Mark Adams, and one of the, the photos I saw. Hey, he's pretty tough defender. No, for sure. All, all five nine of them. He'll get in your face. He he will uh, just rise up and go right over him. But um, yeah, the the basketball season, man, it's it's so weird because like we're we're looking forward to it. We're so really excited for it. But it's like, man, next week we're talking about a game before we record again. So yes, yeah, they will they will play. I think November seventh. Yeah, Monday the seventh, Northwestern State. It's a small school in Louisiana. I think it's in. the Lady Raiders play the same night. I think both of them play. They both host that same school. Northwestern State. Where is that? Natchitoches. Oh. Natchitoches. Yeah, because you actually know how to say that. I'm not even going to try. Natchitoches. Say what, what is? It's Natchitoches. Okay. Natchitoches. It's a, it's a T, then... Not a D, but it's because well, well, I found out because of the um, the Native Americans that settled Natchitoches and Nacogdoches started at the river that divides Texas and Louisiana, and they walked, you know, a certain number of days in each direction. 
That's why they're about equidistant from the state line. But anyways, that's very interesting. Nacogdoches, Nacogdoches. So that's the way they divided it. They walked X amount of days and everybody just was like on the honor system. Well, because it was like uh, it was like two sons within the tribe and the the, the chiefs. So it was like, oh, of course, you need yeah, to, okay. Well, we're gonna divide and conquer here. Well, okay, not, not so conquer, it wasn't like it wasn't like enemies saying, okay, no, you go that way and I'll go this way, and then someone's like, yeah, I'm, two I'm only gonna walk six days. It was I'm gonna walk three. <laughs> two brothers taking on their own. Cool. Uh, wow, that's supposedly an interesting bit of trivia, my man. Supposedly. So, anyways, Northwestern State. Uh, the only thing I, I can tell you about Northwestern State, one, Texas Tech has played them in football. Uh, 2007, it was family night. I, w- I remember that because my mom came into town for that game. We beat them like 77 to zero. Sounds like, this, about right. This wasn't even fun. I was like, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, they have a, uh, a small string program for uh, music, and their, their director and their uh, violin professor came out to... Um, not necessarily like recruit, but he was recruiting mm-hmm. uh, and he, he came to our high school and, and, and talked to some of us students like, hey, be thinking about Northwestern State. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> you would now, now you were a cellist, correct? Violin. Ah, OK. Anyways. My wife played the viola. Oh, nice. Back in the day. I yeah. also learned a little bit of viola while I was in high school. Anyways, I imagine. All right, that'll do it on the other topics. Let's get to what we learned and wrap this thing up, Michael. What do you say? Okay. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. We learned, or I learned, Michael, that winter, fall is trying to get here. It's banging on our door. It's 38. We supposedly had some snow last night. 38 degrees when I got up this morning. Had to turn the heater on for the first time. Um, the thermostat is at the front of the house outside of the warmest room in the house. And mm. when I got up, it said 67. I was like, it is not 67 in our bedroom, which is the coldest room in the house. And I was frigid, which means Samantha was an ice block. <laughs> so from my phone, which is, which is a, a new, uh, new luxury for us. I was like, turn the heater on, went back to sleep. <laughs> yes. It did smell. Cause you know, the first time you fire up the heater, you felt the dust and dirt, whatever, but had well, the, heater the first on. time your heater's been turned on in your house, period, except for maybe uh, when they installed when, it. When they installed it and when, when they ran, ran the tests. But in earnest, it was the first time it ran today. And then, of course, it got to like 70 degrees today, so turned back off Man, after a few hours. I don't know what it was, but I just had bad luck with thermostats in the old house and in this one. Uh, there'd be some mornings I'd get up and, you know, I'd have it set on whatever I had it set on. But then the house would be three or four degrees colder because the heater just never kicked on. For That's whatever fun. reason, it just never kicked on. But I've had a nest for the last several years, and so it's has been zero issues because it's an actual functioning thermostat. But yeah, <laughs> there have been some times where, because our back bedroom is always, uh, it's the least insulated room. So it is the coldest or the hottest, depending on what time of the year. And it's opposite of what you want it to be <laughs> usually. So there's times we're back there and, you know, it's like, 78 there and it's 73 in the rest of the house and i've just got to bump the air conditioner on a little bit more just because it's sweltering back there so it's so nice to just go to my phone and be like oh you wake up sweaty and you're like okay yeah this is this isn't going to work for me we, we, we have a roll over i feed the cat too with from my phone i'm like okay <laughs> yeah just you just run here, the vacuum go eat. 
<laughs> Anything we, I can think of. We we have an uh, we have an Ecobee thermostat, and it, it comes with a, like an extra sensor that we could go and probably put in, in our bedroom, which is the furthest oh, away. Oh yeah, um, we have those. Yeah, I'm just not sure if it would actually do anything. It's like, well, what does it say? If like the front thermostat says it's seventy which is not a time to turn the AC on, but the back bedroom says it's 75. Do you turn the AC on then? I yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of strange. Like our hallway thermostat is usually, I mean, it's still probably in the best place. Um, but then the front bedrooms, they are better insulated and they get the most air. So like it might be, we, we keep a thermostat in, my five-year-old's room, we keep one in our room, and then we've got the hallway. And so there might be like a five-degree difference sometimes, like I said before, bec- between those because, mm-hmm. yeah, the heater's on, but it's 68 in our bedroom while it's 74 in my kid's bedroom. And I don't want her to be like, s- you know, sweltering hot, <laughs> you know, so it's we, we keep track of it. It's been nice to have the different ones, at least in our house, and then that's probably not a good sign of our of our insulation and how it was built. But anyway, we, we don't have a, we don't have a specific thermostat in our, our youngest son's room, but there is a third, like there's a, there's a, a thermostat or you know a thermometer on his, on the monitor. It's like when we have the video monitor pulled up for his room, it'll say, Oh, it's 75 degrees in here. But it doesn't, it doesn't feed into our, our, our system at all. But yeah, it's like, what do you do with like when there's a 10 degree difference across the house? It's like, well, I want it, I want it even. I don't yeah. want it. <laughs> it's, it's a, I know it's almost like, well, I don't know what to do about it now. There's times where you just don't know what to do and you just kind of break even or do the best, do the best you can with the, you just still default to the hallway one. Cause that's usually the one that's yeah, it runs everything kind of in the middle. Yeah. Okay. What I learned is, you know, I do like, I kind of like fancy foods and trying different things, but at my heart, Spencer, Simple I'm, just man. Meat, I'm just a meat and potatoes guy, man. <laughs> Same, I'm just a man. meat and potatoes guy. And for some reason, my wife was really trying to figure out wow, what crock pot disc she could make. And I thought of something that she had made a while back and it was, it was just like sausage and potatoes. That's all it was. And then she was like, oh, yeah, I remember doing that. Anyway, she made it again. It was fantastic. I've eaten it three times already, and I think we're nice. finally out. But I could I could eat it again tomorrow. And so just Google sometime if anyone needs a Crock-Pot dish. Crock-Pot Cajun sausage and potatoes. It's like six ingredients. One of them's potatoes. One of them's sausage. And, it, I mean, we're talking like link sausage. This specific one I pulled up was andouille sausage, but it, it doesn't there really matter. But uh, so, yeah, potatoes, sausage. A sweet yellow onion, can of cream of mushroom soup, and a teaspoon of Cajun seasoning. I think she went a little heavy on the Cajun seasoning because it had some spice to it. Man, this would be – it was just so good. It was perfect because she did that on the day right before it hit, you know, 39 degrees. And so we had we had that going for us. But, yeah, just back to the basics, man. Just good old meat and potatoes. Sometimes that's all you need. I, I got a hankering. I was, I don't know what it was. Probably I saw a video on, on the compound butter. It's like, where does compound butter go on? Steaks. So I made some steaks. Uh, they're pretty good. I also made the, like the pre-seasoned and packaged and portioned uh, fajitas. 
from United. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm doing that. I, I picked up another package and I was like, that's, that's happening again. They're so it's, good. It's so foolproof, man. And don't sleep on the chicken. Like the, um, especially the HEB brand. Cause I think it's chicken thighs Ooh. and it's, it's marinated in lime and all that kind of stuff. And it's like a third of the price. So you can get like that same package of chicken fajita meat for $9. Well, the, the, well, the one that we got from, uh, United was only seven. Oh man. Okay. Shoot. Beef and peppers and onions and. Oh, it's got the whole thing in it. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah, we get the, it's, 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 it's a smaller portion, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when, when I cooked it up, like the vegetables cooked down to like what would have been like a tablespoon amount of vegetables. <laughs> it was so <laughs> sparse, but it was fine. Cause I was the only one that ended up eating it. The meat lasted a couple It was just meals. for you. Yeah, it was great. Loved it. <laughs> All right. Getting us back, back to, to our food. roots. Yeah, man. Couldn't help it. That's how we do it. That'll do it for us on this, this edition of the 23 personal podcast, trying to get you ready for the Baylor game coming in this weekend the bears four and three on this season texas tech four and three night game blackout um if you're going to the game wear black be loud stay the game man enjoy it we both have text tech winning and covering for michael i'm spencer we'll catch you guys next time Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.